You're listening to Portrait Session on the Improved Photography Network. And now your host, the photographer who shoots over 30 weddings a year, Erica Kaufman. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Portrait Session on the Improved Photography Podcast. My name is Connor Hibbs, and today I am joined by Miss Erica Kay. How are you doing today, Erica? I'm good, Connor. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing really well. My my dog is in doggy daycare today, so I have the whole Aww. house to myself to just get some work done, which is um, That's a rarity. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, today we're going to be talking on a little bit more of a an abstract concept, I guess. Not specific photography advice, but rather advice that we would give to our younger photography selves. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is something that I kind of thought of because this last weekend, Sandy DeRoe and I hosted one of our workshops, and I, I kept on getting questions that I seem to get all the time, and it, it just seems like sometimes I give out answers to those things and find people just not utilizing my advice or really maybe taking it to heart, and the interesting thing is I remember that in myself where I would ask questions of people sometimes and then not follow through with it to only much later on realize like oh no that was actually super (laughs) solid advice should have listened to that yeah so yeah so you know I kind of want to just talk about things that I would have told myself when I was newer to photography knowing that I wanted to learn a lot and not knowing these quote-unquote magic tricks of photography yeah and I think this is a super helpful interesting topic even if we're not just giving out specific advice I can't tell you how many times in all of these various photography groups that I'm in Facebook groups I see people posting all the time like what do you wish you would have known five years ago or I'm just starting out in photography what's your advice for me as a newbie I see those questions probably every day so there are people all the time that are asking questions like this and want to know, you know, what what you wish you knew when you were first starting out. So I think that this even though we're not, you know, teaching right now, I think all of this advice and and the things that we're going to talk about today are going to be super helpful for some people. Definitely so. And and I, I kind of said, quote unquote, magic tricks um, with a little bit of tongue and cheekness there, because I, I will constantly be on consultation calls with people and have them asking me like, OK, but like, what else is there? Like, what more is it? It's like, Really, it's, it's, there's no secret. There's nothing that any of us are hiding. Um, sometimes we might not be entirely candid all the time about like the struggles that happen as right. a more public figure in photography. But even still, it's, it's not magic. And, and these are just things to keep in mind as you're growing. Absolutely. Totally. Well, um, the first one that I wrote down here is to just get out and shoot, but don't just shoot a lot to shoot. Make sure that when you're going out, you have specific goals in mind. So mm-hmm. um, focus on composition. And if it's, say, for portrait photography, the one that I always nail everybody on um, as they're growing is giving way too much headroom for no reason and then cutting off something else important at the bottom. Or <laughs> at, so, so just giving yourself a goal of that. Like, I want to make sure that if I'm giving headroom that I'm not cutting off anything important and I want to make sure that everything that I need in frame is in frame and just shoot like that for a while until that becomes ingrained in you. Or, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's earlier on and you're just trying to get used to being comfortable shooting ambient light with manual mode, just Absolutely. having those specific goals in mind where it's not just... I'm going to go shoot, but I'm going to go shoot, and this is the thing that I want to accomplish in doing that. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's really great advice. When I was first learning photography, I would sit down and write out a list of things that I needed to get better with or improve upon. So things like um, getting more comfortable with shooting in in manual instead of auto or, or, you know, finding light in unique places or whatever. I would make a list of like four or five things and then I would start with the thing on the top of the list and shoot, shoot, shoot every day as much as I could until I felt like I kind of mastered that technique or that yeah. that area. And then I would move on to the second thing. And then once I finished that list, I'd sit down and figure out what I still need to work on. So I kind of chunked out my, my learning and worked on little tiny pieces until I felt really comfortable, you know, claiming that I was a photographer. And that was really helpful. So I was shooting a lot, but like Connor said, shooting with specific goals in mind or shooting with specific skills in mind so that you can really develop those skills one at a time instead of trying to learn everything all at once, which can be really overwhelming and sometimes impossible if you're focusing on so many different aspects of photography. So break it down a little bit and focus on one, one thing at a time and then move on to something else when you feel confident with that specific skill. Yeah, definitely. I, I especially like what you said there about feeling like you need to learn everything at once. The thing is, nobody starts out great at anything. You just mm-hmm. need to make sure that you're focusing on individual bits because eventually you'll you'll get to a point where you're really creating the kind of work that you have always envisioned wanting to create. Um, For so sure. yeah, t- chunking it out in little bits at a time will allow you to actually accomplish that eventually where taking an approach of everything at once is just going to result in frustration and feeling like you aren't good at this, which I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of drag a lot of people down, which is just kind of sad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my, my second little piece that I have here is if it doesn't look the way that you want it out of camera, you're not going to get it that way in post. Now, this is something that I, I, especially because I tend to shoot with a lot more dramatic contrasty lighting. Um, I I feel a little bit of this advice is looking at my earlier self because I never understood when people said, oh, like, I want to shoot the way that you would shoot if it was in black and white. And when I was younger, I remember trying to take a photo and just click on the black and white mode and see if it looked good in black and white. And mm-hmm. everything was just very flat and boring. And so I would go in and try and dodge and burn things in post to make it look more contrasty and in- interesting. And it just got muddled and garbage doesn't look right yeah Yeah. it doesn't look natural and eventually once I learned how to light and light well I started shooting stuff that was more and more contrasty just because I was playing with my lighting and realized oh this is what everybody's talking about this is the thing Mm -hmm. that I want it's not that I can make something contrasty or look good in black and white quote-unquote in post process, it's it's doing the lighting or taking the photo that needs to be the basis of everything. And sure, you can do, use Photoshop to clean things up or you know accentuate certain things. And there is a bit, depending on how skilled you are with Photoshop, that you can really change a photo and manipulate it to make it look better. But I don't think that that should be the basis for your images looking good. You should try and get it right in camera. Yeah, and I think that's really important, especially because, you know, at the beginning of this little tidbit, you said if it doesn't look the way you want it out of camera, you're not going to get it that way in post. So I'm glad that you clarified that 
that does not mean that you should not rely on post-processing to make an image even better or even yeah. stronger than what it is in camera. You just have to make sure that you're getting, you know, the the foundation of the photo correct in camera. And then you use Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever you're using to take it to the next level. So you can darken down the shadows and bring up the highlights and, and really stylize it to your liking. But you are never going to get it. You know, if you don't get it right in camera, you're never going to get it perfect because um, yeah. you cannot fake, like you said, that example with, with dodging and burning, you can't fake that if you don't have the light that's already there. It's not going to look natural if you try to fake it. But if you do have the light the way you want it, then you can go in and do that dodging and burning and make it even stronger. Yeah, um, So exactly. you have to make sure that you have that foundation right in camera so that you can make it perfect in post-processing. Absolutely. So my next little bit of advice here is to look at other photographers for inspiration and to study them, but don't compare yourself to them. And <sighs> yes, man, is that a hard thing to it's do? It's so hard. It's so hard. It, it, it's one of those things like it, it. I really do think I used to kind of feel like maybe I shouldn't look at other photographers work because I don't want to copy them this, that or the other mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that was me maybe protecting my ego a little bit because I knew that if I really looked at other photographers work, I would feel incompetent or like I wasn't good enough. But the thing is everybody's going to shoot differently and, Mm -hmm. and everybody has their own style. So even now I would say that I am really good at the thing that I know how to do. And I could look at other photographers and if I actually compared my work to theirs, when when it's apples and oranges, I would feel really bad about my work because it's not their work and their work is awesome. And sure, my work might be good, but it's not the same. So mm-hmm. so just learning to look for inspiration and to maybe pick apart what the person has done in a photo so you can maybe replicate some of those things is really important. But just learn that it's okay that you're not them because no matter what, no matter how good you are, you're never going to be them because you're you. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so something that I used to do when when I was talking a few minutes ago about kind of like chunking my learning process. Yeah, I actually used to use other photographers inspiration for figuring out what it was that I wanted to learn, you know, each week or whatever I was doing. So I would look at a photographer that I loved and I would kind of dissect the images of that they that I really liked of theirs that really spoke to me and figure out what it was about those images that that I really liked. Was it their processing? Was it their posing? Was it the composition? Was it the light? And once I figured out exactly what it was about that photographer that I really liked, then I put that thing on my list to to work on. So that really helped me kind of figure out what direction I wanted to go in personally. So after I mastered how to use manual and, and kind of the basics of photography and really wanted to get more into the figuring out the creative side of it and what I wanted to say as a photographer, looking at those other photographers that I felt were so good and still do think are really good um, helped me kind of develop my personal style and uh, learn how to make my photos look the way that I want them to look. Now, now that's really interesting because I definitely feel the same way. I'm going to ask you a question here, Erica. Do you look at elements of your photography and say, oh, I got that bit from this photographer. I got that bit from this photographer. And could you actually pull apart your style to a point where you can say what photographers have inspired your look to become the thing that it is now? I would say right now at this moment, I probably it's probably not that clear, but I would say maybe a year ago. Yeah. Mm, a year and a half ago, yes, I could have picked out elements from each of the photographers that I really look really looked up to. 
now that I, you know, feel more confident in my work and don't have to do that so much, I've really created my own style, blending all these elements together. So I can't really kind of decipher it like I used to yeah. be able to. But there was a time that, yeah, I definitely could do that. See, it's, it's funny because I have elements where I'm like, I don't think that this looks anything like photographer A, B, or C that I was <laughs> yeah. originally trying to mimic. But I know that I got to this from playing around with that technique that they had, and uh-huh. it eventually turned into a thing that was my own. So honestly, looking at other other people for inspiration doesn't mean that you're going to stay like them. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to look at other photographers and try and mimic them forever. Uh, yeah, but it's for good sure. to learn learn what they're doing and then see how you can apply that to your own style. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's like the six ways to Kevin Bacon or whatever, where it's like, I can see <laughs> that I could eventually go back to Joel Grimes as an inspiration from what I do now with my lighting, but it's so different than what he does that it's not that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is something that I still do as a professional photographer who shoots tons of weddings and tons of people every year. I so before every wedding a few days before every wedding I look through hashtags on Instagram like wedding photos or wedding photographer or something and I'll find one that really catches my eye and I'll study it and I'll that will be my source of information inspiration for (laughs) the wedding that I have that week and it's usually a different photographer every time it's not like I'm going to somebody's account each week and using that same photographer each week I'm just searching through hashtags so that I have a lot of different people to look for that way I'm not like just copying off of one photographer or anything like that I'm just using inspiration from every photographer that's on Instagram and using that hashtag to, you know, continue developing my personal style and and my creativity. And that's something that I think everybody should do. You should never be ashamed of of looking outside of your own self for inspiration and, and creativity. Yeah, that's that's one way in which I love having hashtags or similar with Pinterest where it's like, okay, I know that I could look at the photographer's credit and then go look up that name and see more of their work. But sometimes it's really useful to not have a mental association of I need to live up to this photographer or that photographer just saying like, ooh, that photo, that one that I saw was really cool. And I want to try and replicate elements of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where the, the study part can really come in. Absolutely. So my next bit here is that college can be helpful for many people, but it is by no means the only way to learn photography. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely, when I was younger, felt like if I really wanted to be great at photography, I had to go to college and study it. And I've taken a few college courses in photography that I would say probably didn't help me in, this, in the ways that I would have thought that they would. It helps me <laughs> yeah. have a more critical eye and learn to dissect and give decent feedback to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. But in my own work, I didn't see much of a change because I was already shooting in a way that I liked and I didn't necessarily like the structure of college. I did meet plenty of people in college that swore by the program and thought it was the best thing ever and are really competent photographers and probably would not have been if it wasn't. So if you really feel like college is the only way for you, go for it. But especially with the, the... abundance of sources on the internet now of great content. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think it's easy enough to self-direct a photography education and become great without it, without college. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have a degree in photography. I have 
a degree in international politics, which is like the complete opposite thing. Yeah. So, you know, and I, and here I am as a professional photographer. So definitely don't feel like that's the only way that you can follow your dreams of being a photographer. If anything, it might be better for you to get a degree in something unrelated or something, you know, like business or marketing or something that might help you as a photographer, but isn't necessarily a photography degree. For me, with an, with an international uh, politics degree, I, while it seems like it's probably completely unrelated to photography, it actually has really helped me in dealing with different types of people and different demographics of people because dealing with international politics and international studies, I, I dealt with people from all over the world. Yeah. And from all over the country. So now I feel like I'm confident in dealing with different cultures, different religions, you know, different people that are just outside of my normal population, um, yeah. which has been really helpful for me as a photographer. Absolutely. I mean, I would say, heck, part of my photography education was that I took improv classes when I was younger and I, I'm not very funny in person, but I am good. <laughs> I'm good at being silly and opening people up because I've learned how to read and be in that moment with a person uh-huh. and yes, ending their statements and continuing a conversation. So there, there's lots to it that you're not going to learn in college that you can just learn from um, the internet and or the school of life. Absolutely. Awesome. So now we're going to talk about the fact that your gear does not make you a better photographer. Understanding your gear does. Mm -hmm. So this is something that, I I mean, like many people, I had gear acquisition, acquisition syndrome when I was younger. And I just wanted a better lens and a better camera. And oh man, if I go full frame, that's going to make such a difference in my work. But thankfully, I was poor enough and not making it a business early enough on that I learned why my gear mattered or why upgrading my gear might be beneficial. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about what camera you shoot with. Sure, there's limitations of lower-end cameras versus a high-end camera, but as I'm sure many of you who are really into photography have seen, there are like whole series on the internet of expert photographers using low-level cameras or crappy cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's something that as long as you understand how lighting works, how photography works, you can make pretty much any camera work for you. So it really is not about the gear. And I want to emphasize that again and say it is really not about the gear because that mm-hmm. was one thing that when I was younger I heard a lot of. And I just couldn't believe that having a better camera wouldn't make a difference. And... Then I got my first full frame jumping up from a crop sensor and went, oh, you know what? The noise performance is better in the shadows, but otherwise it's pretty much the same. Um, and, and I'm not saying that I regret that at all. I'm glad that I have the gear that I have now. And I think that that's not a reason to not upgrade. It's just knowing that there are good reasons to upgrade gear and there are, I just want something better or the top of the line, I got to have more gear kind of reasons to yeah, upgrade. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, especially here on Improved Photography, when a lot of the conversations that (laughs) are had on the podcast are about gear. We have a a bunch of gear nerds here. Um, And that's just not me. I mean, I have a big bag full of gear, but it's because I shoot weddings and you need those specific things for weddings. But other than that, like I 
haven't upgraded my camera to the 5D4. I still have the 5D Mark III. I have all the lenses, you know, that a wedding photographer should have, but I don't have anything really above and beyond that other than a tilt shift. Um, so it's really important to know for people to understand that you don't have to have the best of the best and you don't have to have, you know, 50 different lenses to, to be a good photographer. You just have to know how to use the gear that you do have and you'll be able to create really awesome stuff if you really yeah. understand your gear. Absolutely. And, and an add on to that is just to say that if you do feel like it's time to upgrade your gear, it is better to spend a little bit more, save a little bit more and get the best gear that you can afford. But that is with the caveat of know why the best is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, I, I, I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack here, but I think that the 5D series is maybe just a little bit overrated. Um, I, <laughs> th- there are definite benefits to it over the 60. I wish that the 60 had more focus points. But beyond that, I feel like you, I would have been spending $1,000 more to get a 5D Mark III when I bought my 60 for what is essentially just bells and whistles. Um, yeah. Things that Sure, they do make your life a little bit easier, but nothing that really would have been a dramatic difference in my working life on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. similarly, I, I mean, I owned a 70 to 200 f 2.8 at one point, and I sold the thing because I never used it. Um, I, I love my 24 to 70. That's a focal range that I'm comfortable with. And I still had my slightly better than kit 70 to 300 f 4 f 5.6. And I realized I would rather carry around that 70 to 300 because it's a fraction of the size and a fraction of the weight for the rare instances that I use it rather than using my lugging around the giant 70 to 200. Right. I'm not saying that that's the way that everybody should be because plenty of wedding photographers use that 70 to 200 for most of their shooting. But for me, it just didn't make sense. And having a $2,000 lens versus a lens that I bought for $300 used is a pretty big difference. And I was able to put that money back into my education and further furthering myself as a photographer because mm-hmm. I looked at why I wanted to upgrade or in that instance, downgrade back to older gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think y- y- the next point here was upgrading um, don't upgrade unless you can actually see the limitations on your current gear. Oh yeah, that's the a perfect you know perfect note for what you were just talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I I would say if I were in this situation where I was shooting in that seventy to two hundred range all the time, and that I was having to bump my ISO just a bit too high, and it was starting to get grainy because I was using that lens, that would be a time where I would really truly see the difference that having lower quality gear would make was affecting me similarly when i upgraded from my crop sensor to my full frame a big part of why i did was because of the noise performance in the shadows and mm-hmm. once i upgraded i went oh wow that's much better I, I i shoot lots of very dark and dramatic stuff so i didn't want shadows with lots of noise in them in case i need to recover them a little bit mm-hmm. and bumping up to a full frame really did make a difference but i didn't think I didn't really think it was going to make a dramatic difference in my life. And, and yeah, understanding that you will actually see the limitations of your gear when it comes time to upgrade is an important thing to keep in mind. Mm, Absolutely. So our next little piece of advice here that I have that maybe it's just me being a nerd over lighting, but I I really (laughs) think that this is beneficial to everyone it's take the time early on to learn how to use off-camera flash. The thing is, even if you want to be an ambient light photographer 
it really does make a huge difference in understanding how to get flattering light or understanding how to manipulate light with with an off-camera flash because then once you're out in the world you see the way that light is falling on somebody and you can place it in more flattering ways there are plenty of people that that want to be ambient light photographers and i would say a large portion of them are people that just don't understand flash and find it too intimidating so they decide to please don't write me angrily for saying that (laughs) i it's definitely not everybody i know some ambient photographers that really just prefer the look that it has and do a great job at it but i think that a lot of people including myself put on the tag of oh i'm a natural light photographer just because i didn't have the money or time or understanding of how to use lighting Mm-hmm. And I think another point to make there is if you're going to learn off-camera flash, learn it in manual instead of ETTL. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many photographers I've worked with who use off-camera flash but only use it in ETTL, which is essentially the same thing as using it in auto, like if you were yeah. using your camera in auto. And that defeats the purpose of really understanding off-camera flash because if you're using it in, in TTL you are not able to manipulate manipulate the light the way you should be so take the time when you're learning it from the beginning to learn how to operate your camera or your flash in manual mode so that you can have full control over it and not defeat the purpose of using off-camera flash yeah absolutely I, and you know, there are plenty of really competent photographers that still prefer to use TTL on a regular basis, but I would say the majority of those people that have actually mastered lighting understand how to use manual as well. They just find that TTL works better for them in the long run. Something that I say in my workshops a lot when this question inevitably comes up is that TTL is great if you just want a nice neutral properly exposed image across the board. But Mm -hmm. as soon as you try and do anything where you're trying to maybe creatively overexpose a backdrop or underexpose it to create more drama, your your flash is going to get confused and it's going to try and compensate and then blow out highlights on the person. You're not going to be able to have as much creative control. The thing is, you kind of can because with the TTL you can usually um, set it for an exposure compensation plus or minus up to two stops or something. But if you're doing that already, you might as well just be doing as, manual. Yeah, you might as well just be doing manual because that's what you're doing with manual is you're just exposure it, changing the exposure plus or minus. Um, and and the thing is, not everybody that you work with, if you eventually get to a point where you're working with other people, not everybody is going to have ettl options for you so learning how to do this it's just going to keep you better off in the long run absolutely awesome so the next thing that i want to say is that i want to admit to you that things are frustrating and hard sometimes and i would say that i'm pretty darn competent at what i'm doing as a photographer and yet I still have days where just things don't seem to be going right I don't love stuff in camera so just because we're talking about all of our successes here on the podcast and that's the thing that you hear a lot from other people um, know that that the frustration is not strictly yours it's it's everyone's it's a part of the process is that sometimes things just don't work right and learning how to improvise in like 
manipulate things on the fly and try and get them to work and doing well under the pressure of, oh man, things aren't working out well, is a big part of becoming a professional or a professional quality photographer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have nothing more to add to that because it's just so true, everything you said. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something that I hear every <laughs> once in a while. People are like, oh, well, you're just perfect at what you do. And it's like, no, really. No. I, I promise. Right. You just it's, see the perfect parts of me because that's what I put on social media. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like I'm not going to post things that I am not happy with. And right. sure, your success rate goes up the more skill you have and the more times that you have these issues and frustrations, you start developing the skills of, oh, okay, I know that I've done this already. I've had this issue. This is how I fixed it. I'm going to go to through that. So even when you don't necessarily have a backup plan, you have this mental register of all of your backup plans that ended up working out in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So our next thing is that money is oftentimes better spent on education than gear. Erica, do you have any thoughts on this? Yes. And that it's really just that I agree with that 100%. As I said earlier, I don't spend a lot of money on gear. The stuff that I've had, I've had for a while. The only time that I really buy new gear is if something breaks or I just need an upgrade. Yeah. Um, and, and where I spend my money is education. When I have extra money to spend, I spend it on workshops, whether that's in person or online courses or whatever. Because for me, the way that I feel feel confident in my abilities and in my creativity is through education. I yeah. was just having this conversation with my photographer a couple weeks ago when we were doing my engagement photos and I said, I feel like I'm in a rut and it's because I have not attended a conference or a workshop in person in probably two years. I've taught at them and I've, I've been able to listen to some other people speak, you know, at the ones that I'm teaching at, but it's not like intent. It's not like attending as an attendee. And yeah. I really, f I can feel that in my creativity. I feel like it's lacking because I have not been inspired in a while. So spending that money on education is going to be way more helpful to you, whether, whether you know everything and you just need inspiration or whether you know nothing and you need to learn it all still, it's going to be way more, it's going to be a much better use of your money, a much better investment than just buying a bunch of gear. Yeah. I, one thing that I will say is that I'm, I'm coming up on a decade of doing photography and the, probably the first half of that I spent the entire time trying to find free or super cheap education and it's out there it's possible to find pretty much anything that you want to learn how to do on youtube but i can't tell you how many hours of my life i mean i i seriously feel like a large portion of half of my career almost has been wasted by me not being willing to just spend a little bit of money to go to a source that is reputable and going mm -hmm. to teach me high quality content for sure admittedly a price but you know, so many times I would watch a video and it would just be the same things that I'd see over and over and over again from different people teaching the same things. And then it, occasionally each video I'd get just a little bit of something out of it. So it was just such a slow build. And then once I discovered, I don't remember what it was, I think it was when I discovered lynda.com, that was when I really started learning Photoshop and I went, oh man, this was so much easier than trying to look up things that I didn't quite know the name of what I was looking for. I just knew roughly what it was in a photo. So mm -hmm. trying to like vaguely search things out. And after that, I, I, the second half of my career till now, I've spent thousands of dollars on education and 
not saying that everybody needs to spend thousands of dollars. I'm a nerd and I like <laughs> to watch educational material rather than TV or Netflix or anything like that. Um, but spending any money to either talk with somebody in person in some sort of mentoring program or doing a workshop or just online educational materials, it, you're going to get so much more value out of that than you will out of buying a new lens. And going back to talking about seeing the limits that your gear is putting on you before you upgrade, when you're spending money on education, that's when you learn the things you learn enough content to really realize, oh man, there are some things that I didn't realize I didn't I didn't have the ability to do with my current gear, and that's why I need to upgrade to something better, not mm-hmm. just, um, oh, I think that I want this lens because a lot of professionals use this lens, saying, yep. oh man, I need that lens because I can't do the things that I want to do after learning this, and I, I have this limitation now because my gear doesn't allow me to do it. Mm-hmm. So true. Awesome. My next one is more just a pet peeve than anything else, but it can actually be really helpful, um, especially once you start taking on clients as a portrait photographer. Stop saying that you're self-taught. Nobody is self-taught anymore. Unless you went and sat in a dark room and started playing around with your exposure triangle until you finally got a not black frame and just slowly built up and ignored all content ever, which you're listening to this, so I know you don't. (laughs) You're not self-taught. The thing that's true about your education is that it was self-directed. So what I'll tell people is I have a self-directed education in which I sought out the top professionals in the industry to learn things from. And that sounds a lot better than saying, oh, no, I didn't go to school. I just learned on my own. Saying, oh, no, I learned from the industry's top professionals through through workshops and educational material is um, a lot more impressive to people and will give you a lot more cachet than for the few clients that actually ask or care if you went to college. I really like how you worded that. That was so like fancy. Yeah, it it sounds <laughs> a lot better and and truthfully like when you when you consider college is oftentimes people that have been in the industry for a long time but it's it's not the top professionals where now there's so much great content from the biggest names in photography that you can learn from. It's I mean that seems way more impressive to me that you've learned from any of these big names than learning from a college teacher, not to disparage anybody that's teaching photography education in college. Just just saying there is a certain cachet that comes with learning from the best in your industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. And, and that kind of brings us back to the college thing, but not quite. Something to say whether you're going to do it in college or not. Um, study business and study marketing because that's something that I'm even still struggling with and trying to get better at and learn more about. And I I think it's the same issue that I have with photography in that I know a lot of this information from the top professionals and it's really hard for me to just realize that they're true and it's as simple as it is and I just need to do it. But I feel like maybe there's more to it. Either way, with the little bits and pieces that I've learned over the last handful of years, that makes so much of a difference in your ability, whether this is a hobby or a business, in your ability to make money. And heck, if you're just putting your money right back into gear, you'll be able to buy a lot more gear if you study marketing and business. Right. And actually, 
when I was talking about um, talking about workshops and things that I've done in the past, some of my favorite workshops that I've ever done or online courses or whatever were about business and marketing. They were, it's just, it's kind of refreshing because it's not, it's not photography. Some of it might be photography centric, but it's, it's not like you're learning skills, photography skills. Um, So it's, it's kind of a nice change of pace when you've been studying photography for a while to, to learn something a little different, but that will also continue to help develop your business and, and your, your, uh, your career as a photographer. Absolutely. Yeah, you could be the greatest photographer in the world, but if you don't know how to market, no one's going to see your stuff and no one's going to know that you're the best photographer in the world. And if you're okay with that and you just want to be the best and have no one know about it for the rest of your life, more power (laughs) to you. But I don't think that any of us really are in that position where we don't want people to appreciate our work. I think that's part of the joy of taking photos is having others see your photos and appreciate your talent. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So this final piece of advice is one that I am really targeting towards myself, but it definitely applies to a lot of people listening out there. Stop taking advice from people that know better than you half-heartedly. Feeling like you know better is just absurd. You don't. You <laughs> probably do not. There's there's the rare instance in which somebody has given me advice when they were really established and knew what they were talking about, and I, I said, no, you're wrong. And I was actually right about the fact that they were wrong. Understanding rules of photography are important, even if you want to break them. So if somebody is pointing out, hey, you broke this rule, if it was actually intentional, take it with good nature and say, okay, yeah, like I understand that that's a rule, but I like breaking that rule. Or go, okay, maybe that's a rule for a reason. Let's try it their way (laughs) and figure out why that rule is there before you break it. And I say this because I know I am incredibly stubborn and I I want to know how to do stuff and I want to be the best that I can and I want to feel like I'm doing it all on my own, but that's just absurd and silly and seeking advice means that you should actually take that advice into consideration. Yeah, and I think that's something that we should all think about in all aspects of life. You know, there are always areas that we can improve upon and there are always going to be people who know more than us or know better than us. So we just need to put our egos aside for a minute, whether it's photography related, financial, you know, how you're walking down the street, whatever it is, you know, put your ego aside for a minute and accept that feedback and use it to you know build yourself up and to improve your skills you don't have to be offended by it or or be mad about it you just you know take it as a form of help and a a form of learning and a form of education yeah anymore I try and look at any opportunity in which I find out that I didn't know something as positive news it's it's not an affront to your ego it's not saying that you're stupid it's just that you didn't know a thing and it's exciting because now you do and I've found that taking that approach to any kind of advice that's given to me has really helped me to take things in and accept them for what they are and it's usually just people trying to be helpful and Uh, then I can actually apply them when I go, yay, I learned something that I didn't know versus like, whatever, I I could have figured that out on my own. It's it's just (laughs) a much better attitude to have. It is. It just makes life that much easier. You know, you're not carrying around that weight and that animosity with you all the time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's everything that we have for you this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you in a month. Bye-bye. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect the views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned.